Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Um, So my name is Seth Cameron. I serve on team here at Gateway. As Ben said, um, I lead our Gateway Ministry School. It's just a really fancy word for... Well, my title is just a fancy word for someone who just really walks alongside people who wants to grow deeper in their relationship with Jesus, who wants to know more about scriptures, but also what the call of God is on their life. So I get the pleasure of doing that every Thursday throughout the year and um, for the last seven or so years together. So that's what I do here at Gateway. Um, Other than that, I am a mum of three children. I have an older daughter. My oldest is 17 and she's in grade 12. And yes, you can um, feel for me and feel for her. And because I don't know, I remember going to grade 12. It was stressful, but not this stressful. Um, Being a mum, caring for someone like that, it has been an interesting year so far. All the external exams they've got to do, the formal, the formal. Anybody have any children in year 12? Yes, do you? Yes, you feel my heart? Okay, awesome. So we just had Mateus Formal recently, and um, that was a mission and a half, but she had a great night. Nothing bad happened, which is also really great for our family. And then I have twin boys, and they are rambunctious 14-year-olds, all taller than me, play incredible sports. How do 14-year-old boys just know how to do everything? Right? Like everything. They play volleyball, they went ice skating the other night, and their leader was showing me the video, go, oh my goodness, look at your boys, they're just like winning at everything. I'm like, you're 14. I don't know how you get so agile. Um, and I have, I'm married to um, David, my husband, and he's currently at our property, freezing. You think it's cold here in Warwick? I think it's like minus one or something overnight. So yeah, he's frozen somewhere, <laughs> throwing out. Um, well, that, that's just a little bit about me. Hey, in the past few weeks, we have been looking at Um, our Gateway Beyond Workers, celebrating their stories of what they've been doing around the world, um, and also locally here in Brisbane, taking the message of Jesus to people that yet don't know and haven't heard about Jesus. And it's been really great the past few weeks to be a part of that and to to hear those really incredible stories. And if you haven't, please feel free to jump online and um, go and look at some of those recordings. And part of what we did in Beyond Month is looking at Doors of Opportunities, the doors that you can step through. Do you, if you were here, there was a yellow door. Yeah. I asked Ben to get it back, but he couldn't reconstruct it without Sam. So, <laughs> um, sorry, Ben. That was just a little dig. But um, the door of opportunities for us can look something like praying, that we can continue to pray for our gateway beyond workers, continue to pray for the work of God. It can also look like giving of our finances to make sure that all the ministries continue to happen. It can mean an invitation for you to go and study further so that you understand a little bit more about what the call of God is for your life. Or it could mean that you serve one team somewhere here where you can actually take the message of Jesus through through a red bag or through conversation and inviting people into your homes. These are really great, incredible doors of opportunities. And if you want to further understand that, we have a SENT course um, coming up in Term 3. And it's a five-week course run by our missions pastor, Eleanor, who's going to be exploring a little bit more about what it is that God has called us to do and what is the mission that he's given us to do that. So if you'd like to join us, please um, jump online and register and do that. And in a few weeks' time, I'm actually running a course with um, SU Australia called CHAT. 
And this is a course for people who are looking at what it looks like to dialogue with someone from a different culture to us. Now, the census, lots of people have been talking about the census, the um, media has, and I know we have here as well, had came out and said that almost 50% of the people who live here in Australia were either born overseas or have a parent that is born overseas. Our Australian landscape is changing all of the time, and we have international people, whether it's asylum seekers, um, migrants or refugees, uh, in, at our doorsteps. And sometimes it's not the lack of um, wanting to dialogue with people who are different to us, but it's just sometimes we just don't know how. And that's okay to not know how to do that. I mean, when you travel overseas, it is difficult, isn't it, to, to kind of um, meld into like the culture of where you are visiting. Imagine that for the people that come over here, they have to come and live in our dominant culture here. And it's okay that we don't know how to. So there are courses like chat that's available for you. If you would like to know more about that, please see me afterwards. But it really is just a two-day training where we look through what different cultural differences can look like, but also what kind of things we can do as individuals to actually invite people into a conversation about Jesus. So this is really cool, and um, I hope that's all the informations I have, I promise. So this morning, I wanted us to switch gears a little bit. We talked a lot about going, giving, and praying for people who are doing things. Today, I thought it would be really great for us to spend a few moments looking at what it would look like for you and for me to open the doors of our homes. What it would look like for you and for me to invite people into a friendship and relationship with us where we can share the love of Jesus that way. Why don't we pray this morning as we begin? Father, I just want to say thank you for your word. And this morning, Lord, I just pray that as we look through your word that you, your spirit will be speaking to us. For each person here, God, that you would um, breathe life into what is being said. And Lord, today, these are your words. I lift them up before you and ask God that you would move our hearts today towards what's on your heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, throughout Scripture, God has, um, sorry, let me say that again. Throughout Scripture, it paints a picture for us of what hospitality looks like. God's heart for people. Now, God's heart for people always makes room for someone else, for the other. And he also tells his people to also make room for the other. The hospitality of God is something that is very um, dear to his heart and is something that we can see right through from Genesis through to Revelation. It never stops. Actually, the whole Bible is about God moving towards humankind. And that is part of the subject called the hospitality of God, that he's always um, coming towards us with love and care. So when we looked at the word other in scripture, it's the Greek word alos. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. But it means this, denoting a person or a thing that is different or distinct from one already mentioned or known about. So when you hear the word other in scripture or other in, as you read through theology, it's actually describing a group of people that are outside the Israelites, God's chosen people, those who are not part of the Jewish community. So some of the words that you would read in the Bible um, that talks about the other would be a foreigner, a nomad, the sojourner among you, the alien, 
They actually used the word alien as well, that's cool, and um, Gentiles, and so on and so on. So in scripture, there's always this picture of God's people and those outside of God's people. In the Old Testament, God gave the Israelites, his group of people, really clear instructions in how to care and to make room for the other. So this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, whether it's on your phone or the good old pages, if you'd like to open them up, I'm going to give you some time. We're going to go through a fair bit of scripture together this morning, if that's okay with you. And if you didn't bring that, that's okay. We also have um, the words that will come up on the screen. So the first book of the Bible that we're going to read through is Leviticus 19, verse 10. So if you have that, I'll give you a moment. Leviticus 19.10. We're going to look at how God gives instructions for us to make room for the other. Here we go. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You will leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. The next one, Leviticus, same chapter, but verse 34. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We're going to jump to Numbers, chapter 15, verse 16. I am the Lord your God. I consider all people the same, whether they are Israelites or foreigners living among you. Job 31, 32. The sojourner has not lodged in the street. I have opened my doors to the traveler. Ezekiel 47, 22. You shall allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the aliens who reside among you and have begotten children among you. That shall be to you as citizens of Israel. With you, there shall be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. And the last one for now, Psalm 146, verse 9. This is what it says. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Just in very few scriptures that we just read in speedy way, in a, a little bit there, there's a whole lot more that you can go through. And if you want to know more, you can come and see me afterwards and give you a whole list. I've got it all in a Word document. But just in some of those um, scriptures that we just unpacked a little bit, it gives really clear picture of what it is, the treatment that we should be giving to those that are outsiders, the sojourners, the foreigners, the other. So in the qualities um, that is represented in this scripture is one of love, one of care, one where you provide for the foreigner, one where you actually open your doors and you invite them in, one that is giving, one that is showing protection and kindness, generosity, equality, welcome and belonging. All of these scriptures point to those qualities that is inherent in God and also for us to uphold. So we begin to see that the hospitality of God is something that is of important value. It's not something that, you know, it's just like, if you feel like it, do it. It's something that I think all the way through scripture is really present and very evident that hospitality is something that God really values and he likewise wants us to also uphold those values in our daily life. You know, back in the day in the Old Testament, a lot of people moved a lot. They moved around a lot. 
we know that they were kind of living in like a nomadic culture where they move from town to time and space to space. It's not quite like the structures that we have now back in those days. And hospitality in those days is actually a matter of life and death. If you were the outsider, the foreigner, the one running away, or the one that's trying to find a place to belong, you actually feel like that you need protection from people that may want to harm you. You actually may want a place where you can put your head down. You might actually want something to eat. Because when you're traveling and when you're nomadic in culture and the way that you live, there's not a lot you can take with you. And so you do depend on others to take care of you. So due to the hospitality, the Israelites, God said to them, make sure that you take care of those that are traveling, that are moving past you, those who are foreigners, those who are outsiders, the nomads, the whoever. I want you to make sure that there's room for those people. I want you to feed them. I want you to clothe them. I want you to give them shelter. I want you to give them a part of your land. I want you to protect them from harm. So hospitality embodies these two really important values, the value of love and the value of belonging. Now, love does something really special <laughs> inside of us. It's a feeling and a, um, a force within us that drives us to do something for the other person. I love my children as much as, for example, last night they kept me up because, you know, it's the last night of school holidays where they can stay up until midnight <laughs> before school starts on Monday. I'm like, guys, I gotta get to Redlands really early in the morning. Can you keep it down? I love them. And even though sometimes, you know, they can be a pain, but this morning I wake up and I, my love for them, even though I'm like, gosh, you keep me up. I went and I gave them a kiss and said goodbye to them and came. There's something within me as a parent that has a love that drives, you know, to care and to love my children regardless of what they do. And that is the same love that God has for us. And it's the same love that he asks us to have other people. You know, there's a beautiful table here and I'm just going to do that. I'm going to share this table with you. Who, who's hungry this morning? Who hasn't had breakfast? Oh, you are? Look at that. There's a hand that went up. <laughs> so I love Redlands campus. You might have to delete this from the recording. It's my favorite campus. I love coming here, and I love you guys. I love that I get to come and share a Sunday morning with you. And I, the, the Island family provided this food for me. But because of my love for you, I'd love to share some food with you this morning. There's some cheese. And, oh, look at that. I love how you're digging in. Awesome. I was afraid this won't happen. Um, now, Annette, there's not a lot here that you can eat because you're gluten-free and dairy-free. But, but because I love you, there is some fruit here available for someone like you. <laughs> yes, please take the whole lot. Honestly. And if, 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 you, if you feel up to it, you're welcome to share with other people around you as well. Would you like something to have this morning? Just sharing the love, you know. In me sharing this, please put your hand up as I come around if you would like to. Come on, young adults. I mean, honestly, like, there's some chocolates and lollies. Excellent. Oh, very... She's gluten-free. Gluten-free, there is fruit. No, okay, awesome. <laughs> well, look at that. 
So, so as I bring this around, you can see that um, the act of very something really simple in hospitality actually invites conversation, doesn't it? And it invites us to feel like I'm a little bit closer to you even though I haven't met you before. And um, now I'm going to know your eating habits as I come around. And, but what it also does... Oh, I'm coming, I'm coming. Um, is that, oh, yeah, Nathan, go for it. Look at this family. Excellent. Would you like something? I'll go for the healthy stuff here. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so as I hand... You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave this here, and you're welcome to pass it around um, as I speak this morning. There's some cheese there, people, as it comes around. What it does, it also incites this other really beautiful value, and it's a value of belonging. That together, as we share in, in meals and in conversation, and for that brief moment that I lock eyes with you to take a piece of cheese, there is a sense of acceptance. There is a sense of belonging. There is a sense of protection from the cold outside. Um, there's, you know, in the olden days, it's also an absence of hostility. So when you offer a hospitality to the foreigner among you or the sojourner among you, you're actually not just offering them something temporary, you're actually offering them protection and absence of hostility. Because when you're traveling and you're escaping from things, when you're welcome into someone's home or you're welcome into someone's community, you're actually being protected from harm from other people as well. That's some really key things that I think the hospitality of God shows something to us. You know, Jesus himself was considered a little bit like a nomad. You know, when we read in the Gospels, we see that he travels from town to town and invites himself to people's homes and eats with them, or they invite him to their homes. So this, this morning, we're going to look at a brief story found in Luke chapter 7. Some, a group of Pharisees, if you know who Pharisees are, they are just the experts of the law. You know, those who are really great at knowing the scriptures. This group of people invited Jesus to their home to have a meal with him. So this is the scene as we, as we read in Luke chapter 7. He goes to their homes and they started to have conversation and eating together. And in walks a woman. Now in those days, in those cultural days, there will probably rarely be any women present while the men are eating. And that's not because, you know, women are seen less. It's just the way the culture was of the day. But in walks a woman who was a prostitute, who was considered a sinner, who is actually not welcome. In the Jewish law, if you are considered unclean, you are unwelcome into any spaces to worship God. But here comes a woman who invites herself to this dinner party, and she comes into the room, and she walks towards Jesus. And as soon as she reaches Jesus, she falls down to his feet, and she starts to cry. And she weeps over his feet. She uses her long hair, the Bible says, to wipe his feet dry. And then she pulls out this beautiful perfume oil and starts to pour it all over his feet. Can you imagine what the room would be like? It would be like someone right now just barging through those doors and coming to me and asking me a question or start talking to me, and we're all like, what's going on? Who's this person? let alone someone that, for society, is unwelcome into that environment. That's the scene. And the, so the Pharisees are talking to each other, the scriptures are saying. They start to have conversations. What's going on here? Who is this woman? Why is she here? And they start to have the same dialogue with Jesus. What is this person doing here? And why are you entertaining her? Why are you choosing 
to have conversation with her. Let's go to Luke chapter 7, verse 44 to 47. This is what Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has, stopped, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. I just, I love the way Jesus speaks. <laughs> he doesn't quite, he gets to the heart of the matter really quickly, but he doesn't, he kind of does it in the way that you kind of go, oh, oh, that's what you're saying. So what he's saying is, yes, you welcome me into your home, but the hospitality code of the day meant that you meant to have offered to wash my feet. The hospitality code of the day meant you should have kissed me and greeted me when, you walk in, when I walked into your home. The hospitality code of the day meant that you meant to pour oil over my head. But you did none of this. But yet here is this woman, this woman who is unwelcome, who invited herself to the party, did everything of the hospitality code because of her love for me. She ran towards me and she started to, you know, wet my feet and dry them and pour this perfume oil over me. She does this act of hospitality so lavishly and so extravagantly to Jesus. And Jesus is not saying to him, well, you guys are horrible, you know, you should have done this and that. But what, she, what he did by saying this was that he validated her act of hospitality. He's actually saying, you guys didn't do this, so why could you stand there and mock this woman who has just done the thing that our culture says that we're meant to do? And just because she is an outsider doesn't, you know, omit her from doing the act of hospitality. Everyone is encouraged to act in a hospitable way. There are many stories, you know, in Scripture where you see Jesus does this as he walks from town to town, as he eats with the tax collector. People are like, why are you doing that? He goes, well, why not? Why can't I do that? How's the food going? Yeah. Excellent. Lots of progress. <laughs> That's so cool. Hey, you know what? Um, this is all fresh, and I'm sure the Eastland family doesn't want to take it home. So after the service, please feel welcome to come to the front. There's a really cool-looking cinnamon bun right here that's really enticing. But please do come and share over some food this morning after the service. The table will be here for you. The act of hospitality, as I said earlier, embodies two really important values, the value of love and the value of belonging. So in this story that we read about this woman, verse 47, Jesus said this, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. Because she loved Jesus, she couldn't wait to be in his presence. She couldn't wait to lavish her love on him. He then validates her act of hospitality by giving her a place to belong. Jesus took away all the discussions, the hostility that was in the room against her by saying, because of her love for me, she's welcome here. He's saying, I accept her, even you may not. I accept her. And with me, 
She's protecting from hostility, and with me there is relationship. He's saying you can come at any time and feast at this table with me. You can sit with me at this table. He's saying I'm offering you something that isn't just temporary to fill your stomach at this time, but I'm offering you something that is of eternal nature. What a powerful picture that one act of hospitality can actually open up a realm of relationship and invitation to be received by Jesus. That is God's heart for all of humanity. His heart for all humanity is relationship. You know, the most significant act of God's love is his hospitality towards humankind. You know, here at Gateway, we believe in our statement of faith that we worship one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as you read through Scripture, there are references of where the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are always in unity And they're always in relationship with each other. You know, you hear about Jesus saying, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. There's a beautiful relationship that existed between the three. Really awesome and really great. But yet, God made room for the other. And the other that he made room for is us, is humanity. Genesis 1, 26, 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created space and room for humanity in creating us. He made room so that you and I can actually enter into a relationship with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And it is his choice to come in human form to demonstrate his greatest love. John 3.16, we know it. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. 1 John 3.1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is who we are. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Philippi in chapter 2 and he implores people like you and I who believe in Jesus and saying, hey, if you believe in Jesus, I want you to have the same mindset, the same attitude as that of Christ. Do nothing, verse 3 to 8, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Can we hear a common theme coming through? right through from Genesis, Leviticus, and all the scriptures we read, and right now to the end where Paul is talking to the church and saying, love other people just as God has loved you. So in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. The most significant act of God's love and hospitality towards us is sending Jesus. And in Jesus, there is love, and through love, there is belonging for all of mankind. Colossians 1, 22. 
Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Is this not good news that we talk about every single week? Is this not the good news that we want to go and take into all the spaces in the world and right here in Brisbane? The good news that once we probably have felt like we were alienated from God, not welcomed in his family, but through the death of Jesus, that we are now not only welcomed, but are free, are free from all accusations that sin and our, our wrongdoings could ever have lording over us. Is this not the good news that everybody wants to hear? That regardless of what you have ever done, or regardless of how imperfect you are, that there is a perfect God who loves you and who wants to invite you into his family. Is this not the good news? Yeah, it is. So we're no longer considered as foreigners, but welcome to the family of God. We are free, and in Galatians says we are to be free, but do not use our freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. You know, Jesus say, um, said a prayer in John 17, and I, I love this prayer. He was praying for the disciples, the people he left. He's praying for people like you and I who follow him. This is his prayer. He said that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me as have loved <clears throat> and have loved them as you have loved me. His heart is that we'll be in relationship with him. His heart is that we'll be in unity, that our lives will be in unity with the Father, Son, and Spirit, but also with each other. And it's clear here that it is by our love for one another that the world will know of God's love. He chooses us, this frail old body, imperfect, all of us. He chooses us as the vessel, as instruments to show and to demonstrate to the world what his love looks like. So how do we do this? How do we show the world of God's love? Can I say one of the things we can do quite readily and easily is through the acts of hospitality. You know, as we read through this, there are different postures that we can actually take on when we serve people in hospitality. There's a posture of openness. You know, there's a world in our society right now, people who are looking for a place to belong. There's no other time in the world where we hear this narrative that people are feeling lonely, isolated, and COVID hasn't helped that in the last two years. There are foreigners coming to our land all the time that don't feel like they belong. People want a place to belong. And God's posture, as we read in Scripture, is one of openness. He's not one that's closed and say, only a few can come. He's saying to us and to his people, open up your circle. Open up your circle. Invite people. Be open. Be open for people to come. You know, the hospitality of God teaches us to be ready to receive people. You know those scriptures we read in the Old Testament? That's all God's saying. Be ready for those foreigners, sojourners, aliens, there are among you, people who are, oh, we can see that on the outside, be ready to receive them. I want you to provide for them. 
So what does that look like? Does that look like you and I opening the doors to our home? Does it look like us walking across the room to someone we haven't met who look a little bit uncomfortable amongst us, whether it's in our uni place, in our workplace, to offer our friendship? Is it to say, come and share at this table? Wouldn't it be horrible if I just had all of this and teased you with it and said, thank you for coming this morning. You cannot have any of it. It's just here for display. It would be horrible, wouldn't it? But the posture of openness says, come. This table is open for every single person to come and be a part of. What would that look like for you and I individually to do that for the people in our community? What would that look like? There's a posture of invitation. I know last week we celebrated um, Kids Take Over, huge week um, in the life of our church, where we sent out an invitation to our families, to our community, and say, we have this awesome school holiday program that you can just bring your kids to, and they're going to have the wildest time and the funnest time. And over 500 people accepted that invitation. The invitation went out. It wasn't just something that we did locally just for us, and we said, it's only for our people. We say, no, invite your friends. Invite those in your school community. Tell them that it's on. Invite them to come. And we celebrated last week that 72 kids said yes to the invitation of Jesus, of accepting Jesus for the first time. That there were over 70 kids who said, you know, I have walked away from God, but now I'm running back towards Jesus. I'm running back to this invitation to be in relationship with God. You and I have been commissioned to do the same thing, to go and to invite people to come into relationship with God. One of the greatest things that Jesus said towards the end of his life here on earth with us is in Matthew 28, to go into the world. What does he say? To go and make disciples. Make, yeah, do you want to say it? No, <laughs> no, come on, stand up and say it. You know it. Yeah, amen. It is. And we hear that commission over and over again. We yeah, I want to do that. And we go, oh, but that's really uncomfortable to invite people to my house. It's true. And I, I'm, I'm the same. No, I'm too tired. <laughs> do you know how big a week I had? I'm too tired for this. There are reasons for each one of us why we don't do it. But yet when we read it, we go, actually, hang on. God is asking us to do this every day. You don't have to be a missionary being sent by the church to do this, you just have to be a follower of Jesus to do this. If you know Jesus and you know what he's done for you, that's all you have, then that's all you're going to share, right? You don't need to, to have known everything or to be a preacher or whoever in order to do this. It is for all of us. Jesus didn't say, I'm only commissioning a few of you. He said, all of you are to go and do this. And lastly, there's a posture of sharing in the Old Testament, it says, yeah, to share food and shelter and land with people. But then Jesus came. He actually shared his life. You know, he, he could just come and kind of be hidden and then die on the cross and then the same thing could be achieved. But in the years that he was here, he actually lived in community with people. In fact, he probably did less of this kind of stuff, like preaching and going to do some fancy stuff. He just walked. He walked everywhere. They walked a lot. Every time you read in the gospel, Jesus walked from town to town. And 
he walked a lot. He just lived amongst people. He invited himself to people's house for dinner. You know, people invited him. He did that. But he came to share his life. In John 10.10, it says, you know, the enemies come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. So he's walking around saying, I am the Messiah. I am here to give you life and life more abundant. Now, you could be sitting here this morning and you'd be saying, that's all good, Sav. You know, it looks like you really love food and that's how you do it. I actually don't have very much. You know, sharing something with people is not about your economic state. It's not about how much money you have in your bank account. It is not about how much you actually have on the overflow to give to people. Sharing is really about sharing what you already have with people. For those of you who don't know my story, I grew up in a refugee camp. My family escaped the Pol Pot War in the 70s. And I'm sharing this story because um, it's a story of where we actually don't have much in a refugee camp. So I grew up in a refugee camp for years before I came to Australia. And um, on the site, if you can imagine it, you are given rows of kind of accommodation to stay in. So in one block, there'll be probably about 20 families sharing in a really small space. And then, you know, so on and so forth. There are many blocks. And every day, there'll be a truck that will come by early in the morning to give us rations, food for the day, for the, for the block. So then all the families will line up and gather themselves around the truck. So we are a family of three, my mum, my brother and I would go. And often, because we, there's only three of us, we were just given a small handful of things to have for the day. Could be eggs, sometimes fish, if we're lucky, sometimes vegetables, but mostly rice. And then other families who are a little bit bigger often would be given other things like meats and stuff. So we kind of living like this for quite some time, trying to make the rations, you know, go as far as we could. And then my mum, if you haven't met my mum, now I'm going to invite you all to come to my house one day. So this is my open invitation to you. She is the queen of hospitality. She cooks like... There's six of us in the house, but she probably cooks enough for about 30 most nights, and there's always leftovers. But my mum has always had this beautiful heart of hospitality. So she thought, well, this is a bit silly, isn't it? That we're all just eating a little bit together. Why don't we gather all of our rations together and cook together? We make sure that our kids get to eat first and that nobody misses out. But this way, there's a bit of diversity and variety in what we're eating. And so she started to do that on a daily basis, and the family started to join. So we'll be like sitting around cooking over coals, and the kids would get to eat first, and then the, the mums and the dads would actually be around just in conversation with each other. I share that to say something to you this morning. It's to say I grew up as a child not knowing that I was without. Yes, I lived, but now as an adult looking into the situation, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, that wasn't a lot of food. You know, you had to travel to get water to boil with and all of those kinds of things. But as a child, it seemed normal to me. And as a child, I never felt like I ever went hungry, ever. So my mum did this incredible community act of hospitality where she not only gathered the food, but also people together. And I grew up knowing that as my life. So if you know me well enough, I will always share my food with you, hence this morning. And my mum will always share her food with you because very little that we had or a lot that we do have now, we will always share it. And there's something beautiful about that that I learned growing up. Yes, you've heard the census data come out to say that Australian um, nation is on decline, that Christianity is on a decline. 
can, we, can I just say, let's not go, ooh, that's terrible. It is. It's, hor- it's terrible that more people are saying they don't know and they don't see themselves as Christians. But what an opportunity. What an opportunity for those of us who, who do know Jesus and look at that st- statistic and say, this is an opportunity for us to actually go and tell people about Jesus. What these statistics say to me is this. People are searching. Just because they didn't identify with a religion doesn't mean that there isn't a belief or a longing or a desire. They are searching. So we can change that. We can change that statistic. It's not the first time in history. You know, you read in the scripture, like, Jesus, Matthew 28, no one has heard about him. So he said, go and do it. It's not the first time in our world where the people haven't yet experienced Jesus. We shouldn't be scared by that. In this week, in an ABC article, I read something, a historian, Tim Stanley, said this. There is a war on tradition, and it has translated into a soulless consumerism. While some flourished, many felt alienated and unfulfilled. Yes, people may have walked away from tradition, faith, and Christian and attending church, and, or see themselves as that. They are looking for other places. But he's saying here that, yes, yeah, some are okay with that, but a lot are walking away from tradition, still feeling unfulfilled. Another person wrote this this week, personal freedom prevails over all transcendent standards. Society is now ordered on new values found on individualism, freedom, and valorization of desire. That is our current culture and landscape that we live in. You do you. Who loves that saying? You do you. Whatever you feel like, go ahead and do. My kids say that to me all the time. say, no, you don't do you. <laughs> we are a community. We are a family. No, you do have to unpack the dishwasher. No, you have to scrape up the dog poo. It's not, do you do you, do you, mum? I'm like, come on. If you're going to apply that for the rest of your life, then I'll do me and I won't take care of you. That's, that's the reality of that, isn't it? I know it sounds kind of cool when people say, oh, you do you. Yeah, be empowered. Do everything you want to do. Sure, but God didn't call us to, to live in isolation. He calls us to live in community. So this whole idea of individualism that's on the rise, we can counteract that by the way that we be hospitable to people. Let's start community. Let's start sharing life with each other. Let's tell them a different picture. Let's change the narrative rather than saying, oh my gosh, like, oh, society's going down. Uh, yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of us still. I mean, it's over 50-something percent that are saying they're Christians still. So we're part of that. Let's go and do something about that. You know, our response as a church and as people of God has never changed. The mandate of God has never changed regardless of what's going on in society. It has never changed. God didn't say that, you know, the Great Commission is only good for that time. He said for all of the time, this is what you're meant to do. Our mandate is to go and invite people and share Jesus with them. Imagine our church where those who are without family find one. Imagine that this church, our Redlands campus, becomes a campus where people who feel like they are alone or devalued in some way find a seat at our dinner table. Imagine what it would look like if each one of us just invited one person into a conversation, whether it's come and have coffee with me, or whether it's after church today, why don't we go have brunch together? 
By the way, I already have one invitation to brunch this morning, but if you feel like you want to invite me to other things, feel free. But what would that look like? To invite somebody, just to say, hey, I've seen you around. I'd love to extend friendship. Why don't we go and grab a coffee? Why don't we go and grab a smoothie? Why don't we just, we don't have money, let's grab some water and go and sit in the park and let's share in our life together. Remember, it's not about an overflow of abundance of what um, you have, but it's about the things that you already have that you can offer people. So this morning I'm going to do something a little bit brave. Are we, you know, I can't entice you with food to allow you into this sense of security with me. Um, but I thought together today, will it be okay for us as a congregation that if something I said today has hit you and you are saying, I want to do this, like I want to invite people, I want to share my life, I want to open my door, I want to invite someone for coffee. Would it be a good for us to have a bit of a group accountability this morning? That if that is you and you feel like God is saying, yeah, be hospitable, go, start inviting people. And that for the next four weeks that you come in to do that just once or more than that if you like, would you stand this morning? What would it look like for you to invite someone? So I'm standing because I'm going to start inviting people to my house a little bit more. And if you're not standing, I'm not assuming that you don't want to do this. You may already be doing this on a regular basis, and that's awesome. Love that. Love that you're already doing that. But for some of us, God is challenging your heart to say, you need to do more of this. I want you to do this. I want you to go and look for someone and I want you to invite them. Whether it's a mum at school, someone singing alone at the lunchroom, somebody at uni, whoever it may be, that if you want to, in the next month, say, I want to commit to this. Awesome. That's great. Don't feel bad if you're sitting down. This is not a you know, name and shame thing. It's, I, I can see that lots of people already do this. But if this was something special for you this morning, I want to pray. Let's pray for everyone that's standing because I want to be able to, us as a community, hear the stories that come from your invitation. I'd love for you to share it. I'd love for you to get in touch with Ben or Sam or myself and say, hey, I did this and this happened. I want us to, together as a community of people, cheer you on as you do this, whether for the first time or the hundredth time. Excellent. Can we pray together? Yeah? We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.